of 2024. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKF. Follow us at the Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetMGM. For an up to $1,500 bonus, please visit the Ozbreakers slash BetNow. Terms, conditions, and locations apply. If you'd like to support the Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theozbreakers.com. Click shop, become a member. Pick any of our winning cappers. You get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Ozbreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. Well, it is getting close to mid-January already. College football national championship is over. Really had a great National championship as we clean house with Michigan. We put a four-unit bet on Michigan, plus 200 to win it all. Also bet Michigan on the money line. I also thought that uh, Washington could middle that. I had a little bit on the middle opportunity as well. It didn't come to fruition, but uh, the Edwards prop was just absolutely wonderful how he went over his rushing yards in like the first couple plays of Michigan's game. I mean, I was uh, I, I was shocked that Edwards didn't actually get the MVP if you're looking at the first quarter. Uh, Blake Corum definitely had all the touches afterwards. They're <laughs> probably thinking to themselves, it's time to get Blake Corum going. He was leader of the team, you know. So I understand giving it to him. He kind of closed out the game, but I thought that Donovan Edwards uh, could have closed out the game himself. And man, does that guy have an extra gear. But uh, I also give a lot of props to what Washington did because to be completely honest with you, they had things go against him. Uh, Michael Penix wasn't completely himself, but at the same time, this game might have been a hell of a lot closer if the refs would have called holding the same both ways. I still think Michigan would have won the game, but I think it would have been my maybe three to seven points rather than by 21 points or whatever it finished at. Now, people are making a big deal on that uh, Odunze catch that there was a holding call on it. I mean, to be honest with you, he did grab the front of his shoulder pads and pull them down. Uh, does that get called all the time? No, it doesn't. But, I mean, where do you draw the line with these things? And, and that's the whole problem with football in itself. You know, the refs kind of make the decision when or when not to call the make a call. I've seen that call not called plenty of times when maybe it should have, you know. Football is certainly an imperfect sport. It could be a lot better if they actually try to be better. But that all starts with the NFL. And right now, you know, Roger Goodell is just seems clueless and uh, not really – sure he understands the game at all or cares to understand it and it's going to take new leadership to uh, improve the actual integrity of the sport in itself but college basketball on the other hand has been great I'm on a 10 and 2 run myself we are in the black for college basketball for the 2023-2024 uh, season we are 52 and 43 up 11.66 units so very happy with my college basketball results my nfl is well in the black but my college football was only 114 117 and 6 down 27 units so wasn't happy with college football i had a rough season 
with college football, but thank goodness that uh, NFL and college basketball is definitely making up for it, especially those prop plays, how we finished our uh, TikTok props 23-10. and 10 on those babies so had a great finish to the season with that i'm still going to release some more TikTok plays they're just not going to be uh counted props like we do on monday night and thursday night games throughout the nfl season but we have a great show for you today because we are covering wild card week and college basketball for the weekend with a wonderful guest will hill from the gold boys discord vsin and the Megapod with Gil Alexander is back to break down all the wonderful games that we have with myself and uh, talk maybe about some value that we could find uh, coming in the next couple of weeks on some college basketball teams. It is college basketball season, and it's off to a wonderful start. But before Will comes on, I want to talk about a little coaching changes. Obviously, uh, Black Monday has happened, but they should just call the whole week black wild card week because it took past Monday for a lot of these coaches to lose their jobs. Now, when it came to coaches like Brandon Staley, uh, when it came to coaches like McDaniels, right? Josh McDaniels, uh, I even Ron Rivera, Frank Reich and Arthur Smith. Those were warranted. I think. <laughs> and the reason I have to say, I think is because, Rivera lost with the Commanders, but this has been an absolute abortion of a franchise over the past 20 to 30 years. I mean, since Joe Theismann. I mean, they're kind of like the Bears B. The Bears A is the Bears. Bears B is the Washington Commanders. Maybe the Commanders are even more pathetic. I don't know. But uh, so I think winning is a culture in a way, right? How do we know that Carolina is a winning culture? It, it starts with the ownership down. Frank Reich hasn't proven to be a good coach, but he just sure as heck didn't have a lot to work with. Hell, he didn't even get the guy he wanted to draft, and they fired him. You know, So do we really know about him truly? I guess maybe a bit with the Colts, but he wasn't that bad until injury bug hit him. Josh McDaniels is an absolute failure. You're okay uh, with saying that, but he did go to Denver where it was a winning franchise and lost his job. And then he went to, uh, back to the Patriots. And then obviously to the Raiders where he failed And the Raiders are a losing organization since the early eighties, late seventies. So, uh, definitely, I think McDaniels for sure you're out on, but Brandon Staley, just for his boneheaded mistakes and screw-ups and wishy-washy on being aggressive and not being aggressive from year to year, I think he was definitely warranted to go, even though the Chargers are also not a winning culture and winning organization. So those are the normal ones, but the three surprising ones, Pete Carroll, uh, Bill Belichick, and Mike Vrabel. I mean, Mike Vrabel just recently had the number one seed with this Patriots team until their GM trades away their best wide receiver. I mean, they didn't even want to pay one right receiver. They kind of did with De DeAndre Hopkins this year, but what a boneheaded move that was. And then with, uh, with Bird, their safety, they traded him away this year, their best secondary. 
You know, so it's like not like he had a lot to work with. I mean, Tannehill was a good, serviceable game manager, made some good key throws, and if you put good receivers behind him, that offense can work. But they completely destroyed the offensive line, traded Conklin, traded a bunch of guys away, and you, you know, you expect Vrabel to be able to coach through that. That's absolutely embarrassing in my, in my opinion i think just the whole gm mess screwed vrabel i think vrabel's a very good coach i'd love to have him on the bears and then you have bill belichick most winning coach ever right uh six super bowls but now you have to ask yourself how many would he be won without brady there is absolutely no excuse for hiring matt patricia last year and then obviously your offense was terrible this year. I mean, Mac Jones actually looked somewhat decent that very first year. You know, I guess McDaniels was there when Mac Jones was there, but still, what the heck happened there? I mean, Bill O'Brien has shown he was a good coordinator at times, but man, um, not that great of a fit, it seemed, to the new age offense in the NFL. I mean, my opinion with Belichick is, yes, he's Hall of Famer. You got to give it to him. He did what's right with Brady. You have to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm in my opinion, he wins maybe one or two Super Bowls without Brady. He's a great defensive coordinator, but he has been bad with people. I think he's gotten lucky a lot of times because Brady has taken player-friendly contracts, which makes you able to spend money on defense. And not only that, they never spent money on receivers, just Gronk and Brady. And, and Brady was lower than the cut. So that means they, they didn't have to pay running backs. They didn't have to pay receivers because Brady kind of had the Aaron Rodgers felt like he'd make the receivers better, like Brett Favre did too. He, he makes the receivers better, but you don't have to pay him. You can let him go and just recycle the next one because your quarterback's that good. So, yes, I think it is more Brady. But is Belichick still a home frame coach? Yes, I'm, I'm still going to say that. But I think it's like 65% Brady. 35% Belichick, if I'm going to break that up. And finally, uh, Pete Carroll, uh, one of the few coaches. I, I don't know if any coaches won a college football national championship and an NFL champion, an NFL Super Bowl. I actually scratched that. Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer also did it. I mean, Barry Switzer inherited the Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson. So don't give Barry that much credit. But just Jimmy Johnson and... Um, is the one I like the most out of that group. But Pete Carroll, man, I, I I say careful what you wish for, you know, if you're those three teams, because maybe maybe it was more Belichick that just didn't want to really relinquish control of the players. But, man, um, he's just a great defensive coordinator. But personally, if I'm Robert Kraft, I say I want control back of the players to give to somebody else. And if you don't like it, you walk. And maybe that's what happened, and he walked. So that was more amicable. But, um yeah, I, I just careful what you wish for Tennessee and careful what you wish for Seattle because there's not a lot of good stuff out there. And then you have the Bears. You see these teams fire these Super Bowl winning coaches minus Vrabel, right? Vrabel was a number one seed a couple times. You have the Bears and they keep their coach, Matt Eberflus, after two years. Kevin Warren doesn't even reach out to Jim Harbaugh. And you know why that is, right? Because Harbaugh accused him of a lot of favoritism towards Ohio State and other teams when he was at the Michigan coach. And maybe some of that's true. I don't know. But they don't get along. 
And the fact that the uh, owner, McCaskey, which is maybe the most clueless owner in all of the NFL, hires a guy like Kevin Warren, who's lost everywhere his whole life, pretty much shows you that the Bears are probably not going anywhere in the next five to 10 years either. And that's the sad thing about being a Bears fan. Jim Harbaugh is there for the taking. He's close to where Harbaugh was brought up. Jim Harbaugh played for the Bears, yet you hire the guy that absolutely Harbaugh cannot stand. Unreal. And you're stuck with Matt Eberlews. You know? Matt Eberlews. It's it's not like this dude did anything special this year. Did they win a few games against some bad teams? Yeah. But what's it more telling? Choking against three teams when you were like over 90% probability to win? Your defense improved because of the talent you paid for. Sweat. Edwards was expensive from the Eagles. Edmonds was expensive. Jackson, your safety who doesn't know how to cover, is expensive. Jalen Johnson's about to be expensive. That that cornerback you actually lucked out on, you know, all those guys. And you still blow it. You draft two, uh, three techniques for the second and third picks in the draft last year. You should be able to stop the run better than you did. And seriously, this happens. How is Eberflus even considered? This should be a full reset if you're moving on with Justin Fields. So that's the whole thing. Are they moving on with Justin Fields? I think so. You know, I th- I think that Ryan Poles wants to get his own guy. If Ryan Poles drafted him, they probably wouldn't. I mean, that's how finicky these GMs are in the NFL. But also, you get to actually see another quarterback without being stuck paying a bunch of money. So it's almost like you have to apologize to Justin Fields. Hi, uh, Justin, sorry we have to let you go because we're still not sure if you'll develop into the quarterback because we're so incompetent. We can't put an offensive line in front of you. We can't uh, have a good def- offensive coordinator. We just fired Getzey. But we we can't take the chance of paying you and you're still being a bust. I mean, in my opinion by now, he has had some time to throw the ball. I, th- I think 60% chance he can't throw down the field. But I, maybe he goes somewhere and wins the Super Bowl and just proves how incompetent the Bears continue to be over the last 40 years. You know? So that could absolutely happen too. But now I do think that they go for Caleb Williams, which I'm not sure has the mental capacity to be an NFL quarterback. I, we'll see. You, you see different things that look bad. Um, you see things on the field that look really good. But then again, he's in Lincoln Riley's offense. A lot of quarterbacks are successful in Lincoln Riley's offense that haven't won Super Bowls. Jalen Hurts is the only one that's gotten close, right? So uh, I guess Kyler Murray kind of got close, but that team was really stacked when Kyler Murray uh, made that playoff run. So it's a Lincoln Riley system. I think he can make a lot of quarterbacks look good. I'm not super in love with Drake May either. I still like Michael Penix a lot, but here you go. You're going you're gonna to spend a top pick on a guy. You better do some serious evaluation on him uh, to see if this kid's going to end up being a winner. He's still young. He could be. So that's all I have to say with the Bears. But yet, who are you going to have as offensive coordinator? You know, that that's another question. Cliff Kingsbury's name is being thrown around. 
I wouldn't mind that. Kingsbury has runs a very similar offense to Oklahoma's Texas Tech type stuff, right? Kyler Murray played for Kingsbury for a while before he went to Oklahoma. And of course, Kingsbury was like a coordinator. Uh, I, I guess they called him a senior offensive analyst uh, under Lincoln Riley last year at USC. So, you know, he had a job, kind of an easy, no pressure type job last year, like he had with the Cardinals. So he's probably learned a bit from Lincoln Riley there. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind it. Let's see a new offense with a guy you're familiar with. And then Ron Rivera on the defense coordinator. You know, Ron Rivera was a great bear. I don't know if he'd take the job. Maybe he wants to take a year off and kind of breathe a little bit. Um, but at the same time, hire him as some sort of consultant because I don't have any faith in Eberflus whatsoever. And if the Bears make the playoffs next year, it wouldn't be because of Eberflus, in my opinion. It'd be because of all the money you spent on talent that you spent this year and what you're going to spend next year, all the draft capital that you polls is kind of created through the process and uh, the coordinators. So, I mean, we'll see. But in most when it, when it comes to Chicago Bears, you have to always lean to the under when uh, it comes to any types of success, just based upon the owners and the culture of the organization. All right, my friends. Now it's time to talk about what's happening this weekend with the NFL wildcard and college basketball with our wonderful guest from the Gold Boys Discord, Mr. William Hill. Now I'm very excited to welcome back a wonderful sports better and great friend of the show and Mr. Will Hill from Bear Bets, VEASAN, and the Gold Boys Discord and new podcast, my man. You can follow Will at not the Will Hill on X. Will, thanks for coming on the show. I already have listened to a few episodes of your new show. Can you tell us about it, man? It's called Shoulda Bet More. One word, shoulda bet more, which I think we've all said at times is better. Sometimes, you know, once a day, sometimes once a week. So it's fun. I've had some great guests. I've had Gil Alexander, Chris Felica, Aaron Schatz, and Mike Sandu, who are NFL awards voters. So it was interesting to get a, a peek into their brains in terms of what they were thinking. Uh, I got to have you on at some point. I was thinking this week, but I was doing this one with you, so it was a little too repetitive. So maybe right. the next week or two we can go over some playoff games. But uh, on Monday I had Steve Fezzik on, professional sports better. He, we broke down all the wild card games, and then he gave a five-minute tutorial that you have to listen to on going to Vegas, how to, get, how to drink for free, how to eat for free, how to get things comped, how to save money. It is absolutely must listen to. So oh, uh, yeah. should have bet more. I, I urge everyone to check that out. That's the Monday episode? That was the Monday episode. Okay, cool. Now everyone needs to know that because you can get <laughs> – I mean, if you're, if you're going up to the bar and you ask for a double, it's 40 bucks these days uh, if you're in some sort of club or, or even sure. even at just one of the popular pools. It's absolutely ridiculous. You got to More like a blank check. Yeah. More like just, hey, they, they, they write in the number. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, it's a really bad number too. It's almost like two vacations in one in a way minus the hopefully you win, right? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ins and outs I've learned over my past uh, 21 years now of going to Vegas. So I've uh, I've got a few of them down, but hey, I'm always willing to listen to Fezzik. So I'll, I'll definitely cue that baby up right after this show. But hey, it's a massive weekend. We got a lot of great stuff happening. We got NFL. We got, we got college basketball. We got, you know, Black Monday, but I'm going to call it Black Wildcard Week because uh, these coaches are dropping like flies, aren't they, Will? By the time people listen to this, who knows who else is going to retire, <laughs> be fired? Who knows? 
suppose. I mean, it's really sort of eerie, isn't it? Like the, all the comparisons between Belichick and Saban, all the winning they've done, they're the same age about. One's, you, you could say the GOAT with the NFL coaching. The others, you could say the GOAT with college football coaching. They were together with the Browns. So they're always linked together. The fact that they were, that they're both out. Uh, basically, I, I don't know if it's the same day that, that news came out. I think you know sometime when we were asleep on the East Coast, the Belichick. I'm not sure what what time exactly that broke, but basically within the same 24 hours, it's yeah. just so eerie. The Belichick one we all saw coming. The Saban one was a bit more of a shocker, and then Pete Carroll, who's a borderline Hall of Fame coach himself, you know, oh. he, he's uh, he's out, which that was probably the most surprising of all of them. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought Pete Carroll was definitely the most surprising. I thought Vrabel would. I thought they'd give him another year. I mean. You know, it's funny, you can forget about Arthur Smith, Ron Rivera, uh, McDaniels, um, Staley, and uh, Frank Reich. I mean, those there's plenty of reason for that. But when you right. see Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, and Mike Vrabel losing their job, it's almost like I said earlier, careful what you wish for type thing. Because it's not like sure. great NFL coaches are growing on trees, and everyone wants to try something new, and then all of a sudden you turn into... Uh, well, <laughs> the Chicago Bears, you know, I mean, a sure. team that hasn't won in years. And uh, there, there's other teams that have done that in the past. You know, um, luckily for some teams, they keep striking gold. The Packers seem to be pretty good with Lafleur right now, and they've had their championships, a few of them. They probably should have won more. But, uh, you know, there's other organizations. Uh, the Chiefs with Andy Reid definitely struck gold. The Eagles got rid of him. But the Eagles have kind of, you know, found Sirianni and, and their guys and uh, Doug Peterson, of course. And uh, some some uh, organizations can do it, and they have a good culture of winning, and some don't. So my thoughts are, even though we knew Bill Belichick was – this was going to happen uh, because they wanted to have a little bit more control, and I would too after some of his decisions, uh, it's still very surreal, man, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, it just goes to show you. I mean, it's just part of life. That all the sayings, all good things come to an end. Father time's undefeated. We know it. We hear it. We say it. But when it actually comes to fruition, like the fact that Brady left the Patriots and played with the Bucs almost feels like a fever dream to some extent. And the fact, I mean, one day LeBron James is going to retire. And the fact that Saban and Belichick, you just assume those guys would, even though it's not logically, you just assume those guys would be in those positions forever. So Different routes. I mean, I think Saban is, you know, Saban used the word retire. I would imagine he goes to whatever college game day on ESPN. That show could certainly use a boost when he goes to Fox or whatever. He'll, he'll I would think, do media. He's the kind of guy he doesn't want to just sit around on you know, no. on the porch all day. He's going to want to at least, you know, go, go go somewhere and just work 30 days a week, do, do some shows, be involved a little bit uh, to, to keep his juices flowing to some extent. Belichick is a different story where he's going to go. I mean, all these coaches can't go to the Chargers. We think Harbaugh is going to go to the Chargers. Maybe Belichick goes to the Chargers. They can't all coach Herbert. You're going to have to go somewhere else. I, we're starting to see uh, some smoke maybe with the Falcons job, which, man, there's just – there are a few things that are stranger in the world. That Bill, Bill Belichick, Atlanta Falcons head coach, that just doesn't sound right to say. It doesn't hear right. But uh, I guess that's what's, what's going to happen. He does – it's interesting. With, with Belichick, you kind of feel like – it's got to be a situation where it's a quick fix, sort of like when Brady went to the Bucks, where, hey, this isn't a five-year rebuild. Let me go to a ready-made roster. Boom, we can win right away. Brady obviously did. If you're Belichick, you want to go somewhere where at least there's some pieces in place. Now, they don't have a quarterback, but they got a pretty good defense. They got a million top 10 picks on offense. You got to go somewhere because Belichick's not going to be coaching. Wherever he goes, he's not going to be coaching there six years from now. It's got to be, hey, I can win within the next two or three years. Belichick can come in, coach my defense 
coach my X's and O's, figure out a quarterback, and then I'll be in good shape. Plus, it's a decent division. So maybe Atlanta's the, the landing spot here. And, for, I, and I would have thought coach. it was Carolina before that, too. But you're right. They're not even close right now, especially right. with when they gave up their draft picks. I mean, my Bears would have been great for him. I'm not sure if I would have loved it as much. I'm not a huge Belichick fan. But, I mean, I mean, new quarterback, you can get with the first pick, and he could have the say in that. But, you know, they're hanging on to Eberflus, which is very Bears-like. Uh, it, it blows my mind why. Um, if you're going to – if you're going to reset something, just reset it. Uh, you know, unless you're unless you're really sticking with Fields, why would you keep the? Co- I, it makes no sense to me. If you're you push the reset, you should do it. Now you got some talent there. You have a lot of upside, but um, uh, I, I mean, I would have preferred Harbaugh, but you know, Kevin Warren and him don't really get along that well, and that's why he was even discussed. So that's that's another issue with my Bears. But yeah, just craziness in the NFL, and we'll see who else's drops because I think I counted eight of them so far. I don't know what the over-under on it was. I thought it was like seven or eight. Maybe it was seven. I don't know. It, was, it seems like it's getting up there. Who do you think coaches Bama? <sighs> I mean, if it was me, I'd hire Kalen DeBoer, but I don't know. I'm not sure if they're looking for a Pac-12 offense type that. I think they might look within their own SEC in a way. Um it's it's tough it's a tough job i mean it's a very tough job that's not on one hand hey it's alabama that's as good a job as there is but man you you want to be the guy that replaces the guy you don't want to be or you want to be the guy that replaces the guy that replaces the guy you want to be you want someone to go there struggle for three or four years then take over then be the guy that brings it because nothing you can do is good enough you can't uh, following Saban. i'm like i know it's it makes no sense even though it's the number one like job you can have from a pressure standpoint, it is the worst because you have to start from the top. You want to pick up a team from the bottom that has, you know, assets and has money and you know investment and don't, you know, boosters and things like that. You know, kind of like when uh, when uh, LSU obviously hired the Notre Dame coach, right, Kelly. I think right. that, that was that was why he did that. So you, you get to resurrect something, then take it down. It'll be your fault, you know, and they'll look at you as a bad coach, even though it might not be your fault. But now with all the changes, who knows? You got 12 teams of playoffs. And uh, who do you – I mean, I thought Dan Lanning was a good name for it, but I think he said no. Um, who do you think? I think your, I think your guy, DeBoer. Uh, Cal- Colin Coward tweeted this out, and, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, he, he's got sources. He said a, a pretty good source told him – that they've had their eye on DeBoer. I think there's another piece to this here. Saban didn't just wake up yesterday morning, have breakfast, eat lunch, and say, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to retire. This had to be in the works for a little bit. Right. I don't think he would have blindsided Bama. So th- there was probably uh, an exit plan, a, a, a plan in place where they've got an idea of who they want. They've got an idea if that guy is interested in them and there's something in the works. This isn't just – you know, oh my God, we lost our coach. What are we going to do? I, I feel like this has been in the works for a little bit. You know, I did my pod with uh with the Bear Bear Bets podcast, and Bear was saying, you know, he was talking to his buddy, and before the SEC title game, there was a hot mic that caught Kirby Smart and Saban talking, and Kirby Kirby Smart said to him, "Hey man, congratulations on your career. You deserve this." Something along that line. So, I, my guess is there was a, a plan in place. The board makes the board makes sense. He, he's almost like a young Urban Meyer, where he can come in and just move your offense. We'll see if he can recruit like Urban Meyer did, but he can, you know, create a lot of uh, open space. He can be fun to play for for these guys. If you go to him, you know you're going to have a chance to be in the NFL. So, again, that's a tough spot, but they'll get somebody. If I was going to throw a wild card out there from the Pac-12, maybe Jed Fish, and the reason Ooh. because he was quarterbacks coach for New England. 
um, mm-hmm. it, which is Belichick, Saban, friendship, and uh, they're good could, coach too. Yeah, that could be just like the wild card situation. I mean, if they throw in a line and you're getting a hundred to one on Jed Fish, uh, you know, uh, we'll see. A lot of these. A lot of those markets, though, I mean, some of these offshores post them for publicity. A lot of these yeah. markets, it's like 25 max, yeah. max to win 500. They do it more for <laughs> to get people tweeting and retweeting. You go to bet it. I've gone through this. We're like, oh, I like that bet. You go to bet it, and they take like 20 <laughs> Well, you so and I have both gone through it. We've talked, marketing. we've talked about this yeah. a lot, Will. We love it, man. Oh, it's Which uh... is really cheap. It's a cheap way of getting publicity because they act like they're posting a line, but they're really not. Oh, yeah. Super Bowl props, too. You can't get down over 25 on one of these offshores. It's right. kind of silly, but it is what it is, and that's what we have to deal with. But we have a whole slate of NFL games, baby. And, uh, you know, I got I made a few bets. Now, Will, you know, I was thinking before you came on, I was like, let's just get this out in the open. We're teasing the Cowboys and the Texans. I, I, I mean, seriously, I, I, that was the first teaser I made. I mean, I... I think that I've listened to a couple of your shows this week and other shows and people seem to agree. And I agreed with it too. I I took it right away. We don't need to handicap it just yet, but I think the two most common bets are Kansas city. Uh, Some people got three and a half. Some people got four. I personally got a nice money line number and a little bit of the uh, three and a half. But um, I mean, do you agree with those two? Yes, I do. I'd have a hard time seeing the Brown win by double digits basically in Houston on the road with Flacco with all the offensive line issues. Uh, again, anything can happen. It's the NFL's one game, but I, I think that's a good bet, and I'd have a hard time seeing Dallas lose to Green Bay. I think Green Bay will move the ball. I don't love laying seven and a half with Dallas, but that's why you know you tease. That's why those teasers can be so valuable when you pick your spots right. So nothing more to add. Dallas, Houston, all Texas teaser. Let's send it in. Let's hit it. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the reason, and I don't really don't just throw this out there. I, I just, I did it because it's just the sharp, the earlier sharper plays, you know, let's just get them off the table. Now we'll start handicapping a little bit. We got the Browns at the Texans, sure. Te- Texans plus two and a half totals, uh, 44 and a half. When I wrote it, things do move. Um, so I'll start on this one. Yeah, so here's the thing. I'm actually pretty close to making a Texans bet besides the teaser. I mean, will it hit three? I, I'm not sure. Um, there were threes. They, they seem to have all gone away. They, there were threes, though, here there and there. There were juice threes, mostly. Yeah. Um, I saw those threes, too. Um, I, you wonder when someone's going to make a stance on this. Now, if you look at the pure numbers, I mean, they're not that different, I guess, from an equality standpoint. Br- uh, Brown's rush EPA is number 21. Texas rush EPA defense is six. Texans uh, number 26 on def- on offensive uh, uh or sorry, the, on offensive EPA, and the Browns are number 15th, you know, on running. So I think that it's almost like they kind of mix with each other. They're, they're, they're pushes, but each has an advantage on defense there, you know, kind of looks towards the under a little bit. Um, you know, the same thing with the pass. The Browns have been very bad at pass, but now they have Joe Flacco, right? The Texans are 20th pass defense. Are the Browns really the 28th pass EPA, or are they actually better than that if you're going to look at the last three weeks? Here's the problem with looking at the last three weeks, Will. They played freaking tomato cans. They played tech, the Texans without uh, uh, their quarterback. They, the Bears, uh, I, I, th- I have to look at the schedule. I think there's a couple other really bad teams that, that Flacco got. Uh, very good beneficial. Yeah, Jets. There it is. I mean, you look and then at they that. mailed it in against Cincy, so you don't know. Exactly. They mailed it in against Cincy. So it's funny. You hear all this Flacco fever. It's like, who did he play, dude? It, it's so funny how the media just jumps on stuff like that. But that's why you're not going to probably get a three. And if you're not going to get a three, I almost kind of like the two and a half a little bit more. I think the Texas, you know, CJ Stroud, you never really want to bet in rookie uh, quarterbacks. 
uh, in the first round of the playoffs. But man, this guy it looks poised. Uh, I, they at least got a healthy Nico Collins now. I think there's a chance Noah Brown comes back or Woods. Um, they can run the ball a little bit. Uh, I do like the Browns' defense. If the Browns' defense can certainly shut down uh, the, you know, make a good pass rush with Miles Garrett there, that's very dangerous. But to be honest, yeah, I'm close to a two and a half, but I'm not there. I'm just going to keep it as a teaser for now. It's so important with these games lined around three to make sure you're getting the best of the number. And again, we agree most of the threes are gone, if not all the threes are gone. But just as a thought exercise, hey, if you like the dog, shop for the three. If you like the favorite, make sure you're laying the two and a half. Do not lay three when you could have laid two and a half. Uh, so important with all these games lined around three. That being said, the live markets are so sensitive. And you know this if you follow live betting, where all week it's two and a half, all week it's two and a half. And then let's say Cleveland gets the ball first and then they get like a first down or two and they have the ball midfield. That line's going to be three, three and a half before you know it. Yeah. So you could always uh, wait, but just for the sake of, hey, we'll deal with the line where it is right now. I'll take the points with the better quarterback with the home team. So I got three things in my favor. I got the points. I got the home team and the better QB and flat and Stroud is the better QB in this matchup. Um, and, and I'll just go that way. I, I you know, They played Christmas Eve. It was 36-22. You could throw that game away. That was no Stroud. Mm-hmm. You figure people looking to play props. Oh, Amari Cooper killed him last time. Let me play an over. You think from the time the Texans coaching staff wakes up from the time they go to bed all week is going to be – that is not happening again with yeah. Amari Cooper. So yeah. maybe you're a little counterintuitive and you take an under on Cooper. Maybe that opens things up for more guys like Njoko or whoever. Uh, but, but to me, it's the dog here plus the point. Should be a good game. I wouldn't be like, would you be shocked if this is 23 20? It lands right on Cleveland by a field goal. Wouldn't be shocked, but I'll take uh, the Texans plus the points. Yeah, I'm with you too. Um, I'm going to be taking the Texans here. I, I have no rush to it. Um, I, I, I'm happy with my teaser leg as well. So we'll, we'll go to the next game. Uh, we have the Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs. Now the Chiefs are up to minus four and a half in most books. Uh, the total is 44 right now. It's a pretty low total. Um, it's supposed to be pretty cold up there from what I'm hearing. And uh, why don't you start with this one? With the numbers, you can't get to four and a half. With purely numbers, it would be Miami. But uh, this is a situational play. I'll take Kansas City. Rest. Miami was on uh, a short week here. They are on a short week. They played Sunday night. Now they got to play Saturday. Kansas City could basically use this as a mini buy. Remember, Kelsey's older. He's banged up. Maybe you see a little more juice out of Kelsey with the week off, basically two weeks off where he can rest and start to look like the player he was last year and in the past. Uh, and I just think Miami's so beat up on defense. I'm, I, I don't know about you. I'm still an old school guy. Right, I take notes, pen and paper. If you start to write down the, the Dolphins injuries, you're going to run out of ink so quickly. I mean, you're going to be at Staples before you know it, getting more pens. They are so beat up on defense. Exactly. There it is. I do all kinds of pen uh, and paper, my friend. <laughs> so rest, injuries, and the situation. Tua has two to me two fatal flaws. He struggles in the cold. And he struggles with pressure. And Spagnolo is really a, a good defensive coordinator. He's going to know how to bother Tua. And people can point to the game last year. Remember, they played at Buffalo around Christmas, and, and it was supposed to be really bad weather, and Tua played well. But the weather didn't end up being that bad. It was pretty mild. This is not going to be the case. It's going to be single digit temperatures. I don't know if he has the arm strength to cut through the cold, cut through the wind. I know. You know, McDaniels is great at scheming offense, but you have to wonder about where Miami's head is at, too. All year, they're flirting with the one seed, you know, best team in the conference. Could this team go to the Super Bowl? Now you got to come all the way out of the sixth spot on the road, blow the division. They're beat up. We know this is not a vintage KC team, but the spot screams Kansas City. So I'll lay the points here with the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, it's the situation where the one team's down and Kansas City kind of has a mini buy and they get the rest. They're good players. Kelsey. 
instead of getting those 19 yards or 16 or whatever they were to get a thousand yards, he said, I'm resting. I think that makes a statement a little bit. I think the chiefs kind of come back to being the chiefs a little bit, at least for this game. Um, uh, I took it at money line and I, I was under minus 200 that's gone, but I also took it a little bit at the minus three and a half. It switched right to four, right? When I did that, I think that uh, in this situation, the five linebackers, I mean, five of them and linebackers slash edge rushers are gone. Van Ginkle was fantastic. He used to be a badger. I used to follow his career. Um, and then, of course, losing Jalen Phillips before that was worse. You know, it's like this team is so beat up. I don't know how they're going to start Pacheco. Everyone thinks Mahomes this, Mahomes this. Pacheco has been just a fantastic runner. And I might be taking some props on Pacheco for this game as well. So I'm going to be looking in the prop market a little bit, too. I think you're going to find some value, especially if they're holding on to a lead. I will say that that last game they played, there was a little bit of a misleading final score. Uh, Tyreek Hill had that fumble that I kind of thought yeah. was an incomplete pass, and they scored on that, really flipped the game a little bit. But now you got Tyreek Hill. I mean, his house burnt down. I, I think it's his house has to be totaled, right? I think that thing might be done. I'm not sure, but there's a lot. There's a pretty big fire at his house, and you have Waddle with some injuries. Right. Um even Hill, even Hill bounced up, popped up on the practice report with an ankle, with a quad. I think he came off the play for that, off the field for that last play where two have forced an interception. I don't yeah. think he was on the field, so he's been fighting stuff for the last few weeks or so. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, and in Miami is like I heard like a very bad stat under forty degrees. Two is like zero and nine or something uh, uh, under forty degrees. It was a massive stat, and you still have Xavier Howard. Their cornerback is doubtful. A uh, couple linemen a little bit questionable too. Eichenberg and Taryn Armstead might uh, Bradley Chubb's been out for a couple weeks since uh, December. Yeah, it's it's over for this team. Unfortunately, I think you're if you're a Dolphin fan, just be happy you made the playoffs. Uh, I'd still lay it at four, four and a half. I just prefer the money line in case an offense like that could backdoor it. So uh, that's kind of where I sure. look into. Let's move on to the next game. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers versus Buffalo Bills. And this baby is high at 10 minus 10. Total is 35 and a half, Will. Wow, that's a low total, my man. What do you got going on? Can't lay 10 in a game that's totaled at 35, 35 and a half. I don't trust the Bills as a double-digit favorite. How could you? It's funny. On Bear Bets Pod, like a month or so ago, I, I suggested Bills 50 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Now they're down to like 6 to 1. Uh, and usually you get something at 50 to 1 and it's 6 to 1. You feel great about it. I don't. This team's not winning the Super Bowl. This team has all sorts of flaws. Even beating Miami that night, they just leave you feeling empty. They leave you feeling lukewarm. Uh, they struggled to beat the Chargers' big favorites, struggled to beat the Patriots' big favorites. They didn't cover either of those games. I don't know. There's too much variance with Allen to lay the points here. He's too turnover prone. Tomlin's good as a dog. And, and again, when there's winds, the wind's supposedly 50 miles an hour. Uh, it's it Steelers are passed for me. I don't know that I'll get to Steelers plus 10. I think this line is just a little bit inflated to take it out of teaser range because there are six-point teasers, six and a half, seven. At nine and a half, you can use a seven-point teaser. At 10, you can't. So I think this is just artificially inflated a little bit. So I, it would be a lean towards the Steelers. I did play a couple props here, and these are dropping. So, uh, I mean, you get to a point where they're not, not as playable, but both quarterbacks under passing yards. I, Rudolph was around 160-something and a half. Shop, Allen's 218 and a half. Again, shop around. Those two yards can make a lot of difference. It just reminds me with that win. Again, we're a few days away. Who knows how accurate these reports are going to be. But remember that Monday night game, Bills-Patriots, two, three years ago? Nobody could throw the ball. It was just basically like each team running the yeah. wing tee. And each guy, I, mean, I think Mac Jones threw it once, maybe twice. Allen threw it a handful of times. You could be looking at a similar type of game where nobody can throw it. Under passing yards for both guys is a, play, a prop for me, a bet for me. 
Yeah, under passing yards, I can definitely see that. Did the Bills play the Ravens this year? No, they, no. no, they did not. They got the Chiefs because of the number one. Yeah, okay. So I was, yeah, I was curious about that. Um, they got the Chiefs, and I thought they got Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah, the Ravens were number two or three last year. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy about my Ravens bet. Uh, I, I actually kind of like the Bills to beat them and, and shock them a little bit. I'm, so, wow. I, I mean, I, yeah, I know. Um, I think some teams just match up better against each other. Uh, I, I think the Ravens matched up well against uh, San Fran, but I just kind of think that uh, the Ravens can be beat, and uh, I know they do a lot with nothing, but Lamar Jackson is very – I guess if you look at Josh Allen as a very high variance quarterback, Lamar Jackson can have some variance too because when they they've blown so many freaking leads with him out there dancing yeah. around with the ball. I mean, could both Harbaugh's do it in one year? Are you serious? Uh, I worry. That's the thing. I worry if that if that's ever the game, a Bills Ravens AFC title game, and, and we, we're a long way from that. Even though it, it is uh, certainly possible, certainly looming. I worry about McDermott in a big spot because he gets very conservative. You know, fourth and one, will punt. He just he just he gets a little tight, a little conservative for my liking. So that is something to keep in mind. And again, looking ahead, if we get, I hope we get Chiefs Bills, not only for the sake of our bets, but to me, that's a great game. Mahomes' first road game in, in his postseason career. The Bills, they finally get the bully in their own building. If you can ever, if you can't beat the Chiefs this year when you're at home, when the Chiefs are sort of neutered on offense, you, you basically feel like you're never going to yeah. beat them. So that sets up to be the game of round two if we do get Bills Chiefs. Very exciting. And Bills. From that win in Miami, getting those two home games is massive. Huge. It's just so cold and rainy and snowy. It's going to be snowy probably. Now, you expect Buffalo to be better in the snow, but that wasn't like that against Cincinnati last year. I mean, it was just – it's almost like they were, they were a finesse team. But I think they're being a little bit more powerful now. Their, their running game has improved. Um, since week week 13, their defense is uh, ranked sixth in EPA. So even though the Milano injury has been killing them all year, it's kind of like they seem to figure it out a little bit. Um T.J. Watt being out is huge. I, I think it, it's hard to put a number on him. I almost think he's worth a point, you know, being such a good defender. Um, I think that's fair for sure. Yeah, and and I think I have Buffalo by nine. I, I can't get to ten. You know, I'm not laying ten. Um, I, and plus the weather in itself tells you to look under and dog. I took an alternate under earlier in the week, my, uh, 37 and a half. I paid minus 128 on it. I couldn't give that out or nothing. That's you know, you can't give that out. But it's just I just took it as a personal play. Um, that thing's higher now, and I think this under might get down to thirty two, thirty one. To be honest with you, I, I'm scared about it a little bit because you have Josh Allen against a suspect Steelers defense that ranks. Uh, they're pretty bad against the, the the run in the pass. I think uh, the Steelers are in the twenties an EPA defensive EPA both against the run against the pass. So. Uh, I know they had, they made a hell of a run to make the playoffs. I expect the Bills to win this game, and it could be ugly. It could be like like a sixteen to three six, sure. something like that. Sixteen six, maybe. I, I think it could be just that ugly of a game where uh, the Bills just get it in. And they don't. Let's let's move on to, uh, and I'll just lean to the under then on this. So that that's my uh, final thoughts. Packers versus Cowboys. Cowboys minus seven and a half total, fifty point five. Uh, the Mike McCarthy revenge game, maybe. I, I thought we might have had this already once or twice, but here we are again. You know, Mike McCarthy could take his old Packers out. The man who lost the job to the uh, to Little Floor, and, you know, he should. Dallas at home is just so much different than on the road. And uh, the Packers did a lot to get here, but let's face it, they 
they also kind of had a little bit easy of a finish to the season. If you want to look at like the Cleveland Browns and what the Steelers had to do with playing playing that Ravens team with nobody was really nice for the Steelers in a downpour. That sure worked out for them. Uh, Packers look great and Jordan Love looks great. Their schedule is like bottom 26th or 27th rank. I want to see Jordan Love another season before I completely decide on if he's good. But uh, the Packers are 22nd in rush EPA on defense and 23rd in pass EPA on defense. I think the Cowboys can eat them alive. Uh, CeeDee Lamb has been just ridiculously good, like top three good. You know, he really made a big step up this year. I watched him, and he's just amazing. You know, it's like, geez, there's some really good receivers still in the NFL. You know, we forget about like like DK Metcalf and stuff like that. It's just funny to see CeeDee Lamb. He's going to be a key factor in this game. Um, Dallas is just more battle-tested. They had a harder schedule. They have a .4 net yards per play advantage. If you look at home road splits, they have a .7 net yard per play advantage. Is it enough for me in the hook? No. I got Dallas minus seven. You know, it's not worth a bet for me, but it's one hell of a teaser lag. And as we said earlier, I'm teasing these guys with the Texans, Will. There's a lot I like here. My favorite bet in this game, I'll just cut right to it. You hinted at it. Cowboys team total over 30 and a half, averaging 37 and a half per game at home. 8-0 Eight and zero at, at home, straight up. Now their last month or so, think about the games they played at home. Seattle didn't cover, could have lost. Detroit didn't cover, probably should have lost. So they they've beaten up on some bad teams at home. You know the Jets and the Patriots. The Packers, I think, will move the ball. So you worry about a backdoor. Um, Dallas is a teaser leg. If that's my last leg, if I get my Texans leg home and I have Dallas sitting here uh, as the last leg, and I can get a seven and a half. I might go for the middle for at least half of it and, and play Green Bay. I could sure. see Green Bay moving the ball here. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is, I don't know, 35-21 late and then Green Bay drives and gets a backdoor touchdown, something like that. So uh, Dallas team total over uh, is my best bet. and I'll just leave it at that. Dallas is a teaser. Dallas, are gonna, Dallas is going to get in the 30s here, I would think, with good weather. Here's the other thing about Green Bay. Middling stats on defense, and if you look – who they played. First of all, there aren't a lot of good offenses in the NFL, and the few good offenses, they haven't played any of them. They didn't play the 49ers. They didn't play the Cowboys. They didn't play the Dolphins or the Bills or the Ravens. So it's a lot of you know NFC South teams. It's Nick Mullins. It's Fields. No offense. Um, it's the lesser team. So I think they're in for a rough day defensively. I think Dallas is going to light them up. Yeah, I think I, I do too. And I'd be a little bit, I would maybe wait to live bet it on second thought because this could be one of those Jordan Love comes in, just looks like a rookie, even though he's been there four years. This is essentially his rookie year. Uh, Dallas, what they do to teams at home, and then they just yeah. completely look at the opposite next week. So just, I mean, up to you for sure. I, I Even though my number agrees with it, I, I, I think the upside lies on Dallas, and I do like your team total play, as long as Greenby doesn't slow it down that much. Just stop those first downs is what they got to do. Stop those third and threes, third and fours. They If they can do that, they're, they're golden. Uh, Rams, Lions, Lions minus three and a half. Hey, God, is it three, three and a half? I, I should get an updated line here for you. I write these down. I think there's you. both. Both are out there. Okay, both are out there. Uh, DraftKings is three. Uh, total is 51.5. So why don't you get started on this one? I, I'm one of the few, I think. I like the Lions. I think this is discounting them a lot. I think, you know, we've talked about this as a potential matchup for a few weeks. We knew it would be Stafford. Uh, possibly going back to Detroit and all those storylines and golf, McVay, all that stuff. I was thinking you maybe get four and a half, five with the Rams. 
Three is a little much. They're a little too trendy for me. And I'm not one of these, hey, fade the public guys. I don't care who other people bet for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just read the game and, and use my own, you know, handicapping instincts, whatever. I just think this is discounting Detroit's dismissive of what they've done. This is a team that's a play away from being the two seed, probably should have been the two seed if they beat Dallas that night. A Rams team that, look, they've overachieved. It's been a nice season, but a lot of their wins, a lot of their production is against, you know, the crappy Cardinals and the Seahawks who weren't very good. That's four of their wins right there. That's like, you know, 40, 50% of their wins, 40% of yeah. their wins. I just think Detroit can stop the run. They're going to have a huge home crowd. That place is going to be dying to uh, to help their team win. They haven't hosted a playoff game in 30 years, so they're going to be loud. That helps the pass rush. They're pretty good against the run. You need to be able to pressure Stafford to bother him. I think they can do that. I don't think the Rams are good on defense. I don't think they're good on special teams. Uh, they have a lousy kicker. Remember, they lost that game against the Ravens because of special teams. Right. I think Detroit wins this game. I think the Rams are a little too trendy. All right. Well, I disagree. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's go. Put the boxing gloves on. Let's do this. I love it, baby. Now, look, here's the, thing. the Jared Goff revenge game. You know, take him out. I'm the better quarterback than Stafford. Well, you better win a Super Bowl then, kid. It's not going to come that easy, I don't think. Um, I, I mean, I was wrong about the Rams. I had a nice middle, too, and I had more on the under seven and a half, and I was like over six. Yeah, I mean, I I beautiful freaking middle on that. But, anyways, uh, it, it's just, it, it's a situation where I look at, a couple different things and you kind of used it part of a handicap earlier. I got the quarterback here. I think with Stafford is better than Goff, and in just from a total experience standpoint, at least I know golf's lighting it up, but I think that's just because of their great Johnson, their great offense coordinator. Um, since week nine, the Rams rank sixth in EPA per play lines are fourth since week nine, the Rams rank 16th in defensive EPA. The lions are 27th. So it's just like that defense for the Lions has been bad. You know, just they should have lost the first game of the Bears. They lost the second game of the Bears. And I don't go A plus B is C, as you know. But, I mean, I just see a lot of upside because you got the quarterback with the Rams. you got the coach. I will definitely take McVay over some of those boneheaded mistakes that uh, Campbell's been making. I know he's a in-your-face type coach. It's a big game, but um, coaching advantage, quarterback advantage, Aaron Donald, Game changer on the defensive front is coming in rested. They were smart to rest their guys last week a little bit while Detroit busted their ass to try oh, to crazy. to try to move a spot. I doubt Laporta plays. They're they're acting like I think they're just trying to save face with him, saying that he's okay. I, I'm not sure about that. I have to relook at that. But I took three and a half. It's a lot of threes and that three and a halfs are gone. But I still like the Rams at three. So we'll have some disagreement on this one, my friend. It's nice. Nice when we disagree. So, and there's, again, there's threes out there. So, if you like it, lay the three. If you like the dog, take the three and a half. I, man, Detroit, Every I don't, heard, I don't know I've heard anybody pick them. I mean, might as well not show up to the game. Everyone loves the Rams or everyone's sleeper. I don't know. I got to see with the Dolphins, yeah. my friend. No, that's true. 100%. 100%. <laughs> that's what worries me. I mentioned, I messaged my buddy. I'm like, dude, nobody's on the Dolphins except the, I think the, except Dolphins, the sports books. Yeah. I know, no, I know. I think the Dolphins, though, there's it's more Val where it's like, all right, their injury, the cold. Detroit, it's like, I don't know. People are just a little dismissive of their season. The other thing with the Rams, so I think they're one in six against playoff teams this year. So I don't know. It'll it'll be a fun game. I'm excited to uh to go head to head. Either way, one of us will be getting a text when that game ends with a I told you so. So you're it'll be fun. Dang right, my friend. That's how it is. <laughs> if you're down here, do it for a beer. I might even I might even reverse jinx you. If you get a lead, I'll be all oh, congrats, good call. I do that you stuff. I'm a little bit of a scumbag that. like you that. Better, I'm a scumbag. Don't right? eat, that yeah. is horrible. That is just yep, I'm a bad person. Freaking Bush League, dude. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now the Monday night game, which is always weird. 
Eagles at Bucks. Bucks plus three, total 44. I can't get a good injury report on this game. Um, I say plus three, but it's literally between two and three. It's like DraftKings is minus 102 plus three on the Bucks, And I, I just, or laying it with the Eagles, I'm sorry, uh, minus 102. It, it's just uh, lots of questions here. And, man, I, I don't remember a worse finish to a season from a Super Bowl champ. Um that was competing all season, at least, than the Eagles. Boy, if there was one game I want nothing to do with, it, it would be this one. It's funny. These teams played in Tampa on Monday night in week three on ESPN, and now they're going to play uh, uh, Monday night in Tampa uh, on ESPN again. It, that game was 25-11 Philly. That might as well have been like three lifetimes ago with everything that happened <laughs> since. And remember, that was 25-11 in Tampa, I think, got a late touchdown. That was not even as close as that 25-11 no, final. I remember it. But Philly's a mess. You, you can't lay points with this Philly team team on the road i don't love this tampa team i mean i watched a lot of tampa carolina last week unfortunately uh, i had the saints to win the division i had all sorts of bets on that carolina probably could have beat them should have been i know it's nine nothing tampa Tam carolina fumbled going in they had another touchdown called back shark uh, reached across the goal line and fumbled which was a terrible terrible play they missed a field goal it, it was just pulling teeth trying to get uh you know trying trying to get carolina yards into the end zone but Baker was limping around. I don't love either team right now. I ideally like to fade both teams, but they're playing each other, so you can't. I'll take the three. When in doubt, just take the points. I'll take the home dog. I will say whoever, if it if the bracket lines up where whoever wins this game goes to San Francisco on a short week, good luck with that. <laughs> just freaking pound San Fran on the openers. Yes. Right? Yes. Eagles, Bucks, man. Uh, I mean, this game's hard to handicap because how banged up the Eagles are. I mean, so the the Bucks have a great passing team. Baker has played well. Evans has been just freaking amazing again. I stayed away from Evans in fantasy football. Whoever got him as a late rounder because everyone was staying away, really lucked out. Uh, Goddard's been good. The The issue to me is the secondary, Reed Blankenship and Darius Slay for the Eagles. I, are they going to both play? I can't, I, I can't get reports because it's a Monday night game. I'm I'm assuming that they're going to be okay. I think they sat some guys. They started off a little bit hard with the Giants, and then they started getting banged up, and then they pulled everyone. I expect AJ Brown to play, but he did bang up his knee. That finger that went backwards for Hurts, he's okay, right? I'm pretty sure. He's I think fine. so. I think so. But again, it's death by a thousand cuts. They're all banged up, Smith yeah. and Brown. It feels like there's yeah. a more like there's more than football too. It seems like there's some team chemistry issues with them. I mean, it, it just seems like it goes deeper than football. Again, I'm not in the locker room. I have no idea, but it, it seems like their issues go a little deeper than football. Cause you don't collapse like this where everything's okay. I feel like whenever they lose in the playoffs, and they're going to lose at some point in the playoffs, they're not winning the Super Bowl. We're going to hear the story. Hey, this guy was unhappy with that guy, you know, Sirianni. There's, there's some, feels like there's more that meets the eye with that team. Cause that's a, just a strange collapse. And the other side though, Buccaneers, they, Against the worst team in the league, they that that touchdown that they're lucky they freaking got called back. I yep. mean, I mean this 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 Tampa team is not deserving either. The way they choke, no. the way they choked against the Saints the week before that. I was on Tampa minus two and a half. I felt like a sucker bet, and it was when I took it. I was like Jesus. And the Saints, I was very low on too. And um, Baker's hurt. I mean, he's not on the injury report, but the dude was limping around bad, and. I, he's going to play. He's going to play through it. He's a tough kid. I got a lot of respect for Baker over the last two years. I got to tell you, I really gained a lot of respect for him. But he's just not hes just not the the, the winning caliber that they need. Yeah. And, I, and I don't think their offensive line is going to stop Hassan Reddick either. So 
I'm going to lean the three. I'm going to wait more, and I'm going to try to find a two and a half if I decide to play the Eagles. But it's it, this is a low confidence type situation. I'm sure you're not super confident on your taking the points either. A lot of people are teasing uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks too, from what I noticed. I mean, that's the only other teaser leg really that people are considering. But I disagree with the teaser leg too. I can see eagles blowing them out too so high variance game i agree i'd be very careful just getting involved in this game whatsoever all right good stuff so for a little recap we're definitely te- taking that teaser uh texans and eagles or texans and uh, cowboys here uh we both like the chiefs at minus four minus four and a half whatever you can get money line uh anywhere around that area uh steelers bills we both lean under and uh too many points there packers cowboys uh we already covered we're going to take the teaser and Rams Lions, we have disagreement on. I took three and a half. You took three, so maybe it lands in three. <laughs> Who cares? Who knows? But that's interesting. And then obviously, uh, Eagles Bucks slight disagreement, but now confidence. Let's move on to some college basketball, my friend. And I'm going to talk. I have a couple questions about that too. You know, we um, we love talking a little college basketball, and uh, I always like to talk about teams trending up or trending down. Uh, I don't know if you got to pick one yet, but uh, can you give me a team that might have some value that's underrated, like on the Ken Palms, Torvix, Metrics, stuff like that? You can go first. Right. I, I, the reason I came on this podcast is because I'm behind on college basketball, and now I get to pick your brain. <laughs> so I've been all invested in football. A lot of ways football for me ends – or fo- uh, college basketball starts for me really in earnest. And I've been betting. I've been watching it, but it starts once the national championship ends. Then it is yeah. just – two months of all college basketball. Then before you know it, with the later Super Bowl, you, you wake up, the Super Bowl ends, and you're just a few weeks away from the conference tournament. So I do like that aspect of the Super Bowl being later. But you go first while I look here. Yeah, since I don't do NBA and NHL, that's the only other sport I can do. So yeah. that's why I do pay attention early. All right, I'll start. I have three. I got Georgetown as number one. Um, I did win a bet with them at home against one. Seton Hall. And, it, I mean, they're 185th on Ken Palm. But Ed Cooley is just too cool of a coach to not improve this team. So when you have a good coach changing a culture, you slowly have to look for the upswing, right? So I see Georgetown upswing. They're going to be some 20-point dogs coming up against the Novas, against the Creightons, against the Yukons and stuff like that. They're going to sneak a couple covers there. And then when they're at home, they're just going to get better and better. And you're going to be like shocked. You're going to be like, wow, this Ken Palm team at 185, you're going to you're going to see, uh, you know, guys like John Rawstring tweeting about it, like, you know, this is college basketball, and you're, and then here you are. I think that's Georgetown's one of those teams, and they do have some size there. Number two is Texas A&M. They're 35th on Ken Palm, and they slipped when Tyrese Radford was injured there, Will. But Radford's been back in for a few games now, and he got his feet wet. They had a couple of tough away games, one at Auburn. That score, final score wasn't as close as it was. It was actually like tied late into the second half. So I like Texas A&M. They, I think they're more of a top 20, top 25 team than top 35 on Ken Palm. So you're going to get some value on them. And then, f- believe it or not, Florida State, 98th on Ken Palm. Their defense is starting to pick up some. The guys there finally maturing, starting to like enjoy the taste of winning. So that I think Florida State, believe it or not, in an ACC, which is a little strange this year, I think a little weak this year too, Minus North Carolina and Duke. I like North Carolina better than Duke, too. I like Florida State a little bit, making some upsets. I'll go St. John's. I think that Patino takes a little time for his guys to you know buy in, for him to get him to play the defense he wants his guys to play, but I think we've seen it 
uh, in bits and pieces. It was a nice win against, was it Providence last night? So um, Close win against Providence. They did. It was close. They it were was eight, close. Eight I was watching favorites. that early. They looked yeah. good. They looked they looked good early on. But you see it in little spurts with him. And look, he, you could say what do you want from about him from a personal standpoint and you know bouncing around job to job, off the court stuff. He That guy can coach. He's going to turn that program around. I like that there's a little rivalry with him and Hurley. I think that makes it fun, makes it a little old school. St. John's will be one for me. And uh, I'll, I'll go with Bama just because their offense. And you figure if they can somehow piece together stops, whether it's scheme, personnel, just sheer effort, intensity, the offense is so important. The offense is going to travel. If the defense is fixable, maybe you can get something out of Bama here. We've Ooh. been terrible just defending on the ball. They've been they've been hard to watch at times. If they can ever fix the defense, and that guy's a good coach too, uh, I'll go with Bama. I know you don't like it. Not a lot because they're already eighth on Ken Palm, and their best win is against Oregon. I mean, without Brandon Miller and Javon Quinterly, I, I feel like they're they beat up on the bad teams. I, I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I'll disagree with that one, but I do. Uh, St. John's was mo- one of my considerations for up because uh, they're thirty six on Ken Palm, and I think they're better than that. That Providence win was a little bit more of a flat spot. And, and if you look at some of the away-from-home metrics, St. John's is one of the best away-from-home teams. And they're going to have two road games coming up where you're going to catch them as a pretty sweet dog or you know, possibly uh, just just less of a, of a favorite. I mean, they're going to Creighton, and they're supposed to be eight-point dogs on Saturday, right? I'll take St. John's there. You know, I know Creighton's a very good team, but St. John's is just gritty in there. Patino's got them playing some defense. I'll put, I'll probably put a put a little bet on them. So those are my thoughts on that. But my fade teams, uh, I have a few of those. And you know what's funny? It's easier for me, Will, to find fade teams than actually teams the back. It's funny. It's just so easy. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start with USC, and it's mostly when they're on the road. But I think Bronny James is just a distraction, and it motivates other teams to want to just blow them out. You know, LeBron James kid, he gets anything he wants. I am going to show you guys who what a college basketball. I mean, if that's what my if I was a coach, that's what I'd be like. Look, man, you're playing against you know a star son. Let's if you want to become a star, this is what you do. And I, I just think they're a target. They have a target on their back because of it. Uh, no, uh, next is Gonzaga, number twenty three on Ken Palm. And to be honest with you, Will, I took Santa Clara tonight at plus nine, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. It's getting down to plus eight now, and. Uh, uh, they're at home against Gonzaga, and Santa Clara has just been crazy good. Uh, they finally came back to earth without Timmy and a couple of those guys. I don't think their ranking is correct because if you're 55th in effective field goal and your defense is suspect, you are not the 23rd best team in the nation if you're Gonzaga. you know They need to be in the top 10 effective field goal like they normally are if they're going to be considered. I think this team drops. So Gonzaga's one. Villanova's one even. On Ken, I have 26 on Ken Palm. I think they're more in the top 40. I didn't even like them much before Justin Moore had his injury. I think they're very overrated and will keep faltering under Kyle Neptune. I do not like Kyle Neptune as a coach. I think he was the wrong choice. And uh, those are my three. What do you think about Michigan State? That's always been a more is always more of a postseason coach than regular season coach. Nine and six, seventeenth in Ken Palm. Is that justified in your mind? No, not at all. I I just had a talk with a friend of mine about Michigan State. Um, 
I think they're overpriced. They're overvalued. Um, I think they're a much better home team than road team. Now, when they beat Baylor, they were red freaking hot. And everybody looks back to that game. It was a semi-home game. It was played in Detroit. You know, at their arena there in Detroit where the Pistons play. I forgot the name of it offhand. But uh, it, it, it's, it's just the part where I think that some of these guys just end up just staring at each other. You know, they lost a big name last year who's been – a leader on that team and uh, Joey Hauser. He was their three-point shot maker. He was kind of their fourth quarter guy. I mean, Tyson Walker's pretty good. A.J. Hoggard's good. Malik Hall's big. He's been there forever. I feel like that dude's been in college for 30 years. But uh, it, it's just a bunch of guys that sometimes look for the someone else to take the rock when it's when it's time crunch time. You know, it's, it's just almost like they don't have that superstar, in my opinion, uh, that sometimes you need in that kind of a team. It's not like a balanced swing offense where you run past the ball, play defense like a Wisconsin. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Is there a Florida Atlantic this year? Is there a sleeping giant that's a mid-major that can get to an Elite Eight Final Four? Um, I didn't. I mean, here's the thing. Florida Atlantic's ranked 21, right? I'm not going to use – you can't use them. No, no. Is there, a, is there this year's Florida Atlantic where they're going to be an 8-9 seed, mid-major? A lot of people say James Madison. I disagree with that. Their schedule's yeah. been absolute freaking cake. I'm going to go with Grand Canyon. Right. Wow, sixty-one in Ken Palm. Yeah, 60, yeah, sixty-one in Ken Palm. But they beat number fifty-eight San Francisco. They beat San Diego State by six or seven points. Number twenty-two San Diego State. They're kind of just creeping a little bit. They're, I mean, you're not going to. I mean, in this conference, the Western Athletic Conference, you are not going to get some great value on them or anything. Right. I mean, you're going to be mostly betting them as large favorites. But there's uh, the Grand Canyon here. Their home court is just oh, amazing. it's amazing. Oh, dude, the kids just go freaking nuts. It is so it's fun, amazing. and they're gonna have a, a cakewalk coming through. You know, Tarleton State, Seattle's gonna be their toughest game, ranking 114th. You know, it's just like these guys are gonna walk in. They can lose their conference championship, and the fact that they beat San Diego State, Liberty, uh, San Francisco, uh, and that if they just stay with that one loss against South Carolina, they're gonna be in at large anyway. So I that's the Bryce, Bryce Drew's the coach still, right? The kid with the the shot for, or was it Valparaiso all those years ago? That buzzer beater in the tournament. Oh God, Bryce Drew years ago. I, I was it Valpo. I don't remember who it was. I thought it was Valpo upsetting Missouri, where it was like a catch. It was like an a full court pass, and then they they threw it to him for the three. I think that's what I'm remembering. Like 98, 99, long time ago now. That's fun, man. I, I bet you can get just a rock solid price on uh, them to make the final four or something right now. Uh, Triple digits, you think? Well, they better be freaking triple digits. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't bet it if it wasn't triple digits. But yeah, if I find it, I'm betting that. If I find, if you find right. that, let me know. And if I find that, all right, because those uh, in Connecticut, you can't bet futures to win the title in, in NCAA football, NCAA basketball. Obviously, you can't bet anything. UConn here, that's a Connecticut state law. So I'm in Connecticut, and again, I have different different markets where they're uh, they're, they're not like DraftKings and FanDuel where I can bet stuff. But it's hard to find fair prices on to make the final four. But if you see something triple digits on Grand Canyon, that'll be uh, that'll be a little. Uh, squad squad ride we'll, we'll ride i'll ride with you on that one that's Four, a fun one. 400 to one to win the national championship so that's a nice one what um, a story that would be that would be amazing let's see who is to make the final four uh 75 to one to make the final four <sighs> not bad i mean but here's the thing i mean your trip triple digits is what i meant for the championship 75 one final four get the right bracket win four games in a row you know, even when three wins in a row be in a situation where the fourth game you, you can, can kind of name baby. your profit. Right, you let's... wonder if they'd be if you'd be better with the money line rollover. But sometimes you're not. Sometimes like I had Florida Atlantic forty one last year. I gave it out on the air. It was one of my great calls. Uh, I, 
obviously wish I bet more, but it was a nice, <laughs> nice little score for me. And people are always like, oh no, you're better off money line rollover. Well, what happened? Purdue lost as a one seed, and then all of a sudden, instead of being eight point underdogs in round one, they were like. 17 point favorites to fairly dickinson and that screwed up the whole money line rollover thing yeah it did. yep yep that's that's sometimes that happens and uh man there's just some avoiding teams you want to avoid like purdue's and uh tennessee's and stuff in the tournament but uh i'm excited already man you're you get my blood boiling for much mass if you need to get down a little bit you let me we'll talk a little bit after the show too. all right so uh let's go to the first game um let's oh wait you know before that i want to give you a bet that i just took today and it's uh, I, it's a homer bet because I'm wearing the hat. But you look at it this way: the Big Ten regular season, Purdue's still favored at minus like 200 or something like that. Um, conference winner, Purdue's even favored to win the NCAA championship, which is, it makes no sense either. But uh, Big Ten regular season, Wisconsin is four and zero in the Big Ten. They already have a win at Michigan State and at Ohio State. They won two road games already. Nobody's done that yet. And then you have Purdue that's lost two games. Wisconsin's got to play them twice, but they're already ahead by two. The only other one that gets in the way is Illinois, at, but Wisconsin gets them at home. They only get a one game versus Illinois and at home. And then the rest is just the rest of the Big Ten. But Wisconsin at 4-1 to one when they have a two-game lead already on Purdue, when uh, Purdue is minus 240 to win the Big Ten, Wisconsin plus 400, Illinois plus 1,200. I think there's value on Wisconsin, man, if they stay a little bit healthy. They're leading the and Big that's Ten. that's to win the regular season title? The regular season, not even the tournament. You know, and That's it, a good bet. Yeah, that's a good bet. You found one there. That's a good bet. Yeah, I think it's a good bet because just the fact that they avoided... What book has that? Uh, DraftKings has it right now. The rest yeah, of the books are minus... The rest of the books are 200, 220. DraftKings throwing up plus 400. I think that's definitely worth looking at. So, definitely. And it's not like you have to tie up your money for that long. I mean, we're already into January. Conference play ends, what, end of February, first week of March at latest. So, I mean, yeah. two months. It's not like it's, you know, tying up for a year. Exactly. Like a Tom Brady retirement next team bet, for example. <laughs> exactly, baby. Exactly. Well, we're, we're, we're just ticking down the minutes here let's get to some games uh sure i'll i'll get started here uh because i i we we both picked the same game and we'll get to that last since we both picked it uh i'll start with uh just a quick handicap here on texas a&m versus kentucky i expect kentucky about a pick them right actually this is at texas a&m sorry i wrote it down wrong kentucky at texas a&m i expected around pick uh some people might even think think that Kentucky should be favored. One fifty four. I think the fact that I said before, like Tyrese Radford's being healthy now, makes a difference. A and M is the best team with second chance points. Their field goal percentage has been down this year, but I think that there there's positive regression coming from that because Radford's back and a couple other things. They played great in the SEC last year. They're number one in offensive rebounding, number one. But here's Kentucky's home road splits. They're 61% shooting at home, 49% shooting on the road. 49 is not bad on the road, but when you're playing a very good defensive team, Buzz Williams, Texas A&M, I think A&M wins this game. I'm taking A&M on this game as long as I'm getting a two or under. I'm going to ride with you there. I picked the theme. You told me to pick three games. I picked three games, all all teams in bounce-back spots coming off losses. We'll start Kansas, Oklahoma. We agreed. We think this line is probably going to be in the four-and-a-half, five range. Mm-hmm. I would say four uh, and a, I would say five. And you know what? I, I'm okay with it. It's a little higher, personally. Yep. I just think this is a spot for Kansas. That was a bad last 
lost last night at UCF. Boy, it's strange. You guys, I think we're on the same age. Guys our age, man, these conferences are so embedded in us. So when you see Kansas-UCF as a conference game, it doesn't even compute. It's like, what what world are we living in? But uh, to me, Oklahoma on the road, you know, this is a tough spot for them. Kansas, that place will be rocking. I will lay the, the short-ish number here. Uh, obviously, home court so advantage. Good spot for them. I'll, I'll lay it with the Jayhawks here on Saturday. For sure. Both teams are coming off losses, like you said. Kansas is definitely worse at UCF. I was looking at the, that game flipping back. And I'm like, this is seriously going to happen? <laughs> Kansas's schedule ranks 30th in the nation. Oklahoma's ranks 241st. They had a cake schedule. They are not really a 13-1 team. Kansas also is going to have a near proximity advantage close to the rim. That's where Oklahoma really struggles to uh, defend. Um, I think just Kansas with some of their big guys there, like Hunter Dickinson that transferred in, obviously. Uh, Furphy, uh, Kevin McCullers, big. He's a six seven guy. He should be able to get drive the lane. I like I like I would lay Kansas up to seven in this situation. Oh wow! Personally. Okay, I would. So I, that's I'm very confident with you um, on that one. So uh, next game we have Alabama versus Mississippi State, and Mississippi State. I'm, I'm guessing they're going to be plus two. I think Alabama is going to be a road favorite. Now, Mississippi State just had a big win against Tennessee last night, which makes me a little bit more bummed out because I thought I was going to get a better spread on it, but obviously not. But the thing about this game that I like is that Alabama, they're going to run. They're going to run a ton. They rank second in pace on Ken Palm. Uh, they are a very offensive team. Their defense has struggled since last year. Um, Mississippi State, if you've noticed, when Tennessee went picked the tempo up last night, I had the under. It was 57 points in the first half. I was under 139. I thought it was golden. They scored 92 points in the second half with no overtime. I was like, are you freaking serious? I went one and one last night. The only one that hit was Ole Miss for me. But either way, I noticed that Mississippi State will play at the pace that other teams sometimes will dictate. And Alabama's good enough to dictate a pace against the Mississippi State team. I'm taking the over. It's going to be around 155. They're going to look at these misconstrued defensive stats from Mississippi State, who's had a pretty easy strength of schedule. Alabama's had a much harder strength of schedule. I'm taking the over. Second game, another bounce-back spot. Purdue off a terrible loss in Nebraska, loses by 16 points. They are hosting Penn State on Saturday. What do we think this line's going to be? Around three touchdowns, 20. Does it touch 21? Are we in the ballpark? Let's call it – so Ken Palm has 22. I think it's going to be lower, okay. like 20, but we can call it 20 or 21 is fine. I'll take the points. I just think this is a lot of points in conference. Uh, I think this line will be inflated because of the fact that it's a bounce back spot. I still have questions about Purdue, the guards, the coach. I, I mean, you mentioned they're a favorite to win it all. There are better ways to spend your money. Maybe one of these years will do it. I mean, Jay Wright forever wasn't a big tournament coach, and eventually they they got through. Uh, so maybe you know at some point Purdue does break through here, but I still don't trust this team laying this much of a number. This is a lot of points. I will take Penn State plus the twenty. We'll call it. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of points for a Big Ten conference game. Um, how interested is Purdue in blowing them out? I don't know. And I do have questions about Purdue's guards. They are coming off a loss, which usually gives them a little bump, but so is Penn State. Penn State had a really tough loss last night against Northwestern. They, the team finally played tough. But what really sours me on Penn State is their inside play. 
I, I mean, when I, wa- I was on Penn State, I think, a week ago. Um, I'm going to pull up who they played here in a minute. And they got, it was, I think it was at Michigan State. They got so bad beat that it was, I mean, there, it was like by 30 or 40 points, something like that. Um, yeah, 92 to 61. It's 31 point difference. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Is that how they are on the road? They haven't won run road game. I guess they did keep it close with Maryland a little bit. I'm not kind of down on Maryland. I, I was actually picking them higher in the early season. It's going to be an interesting game. Um, anything below 20, I would lean Purdue. Anything above 20, I would lean Penn State. So I guess maybe we'll get that 21 for you, Will. We'll take it. We'll take it. Are you, are you your third one yet? I did my third one, but I like the one you picked for your third one because I think Colorado are going to be on the same side on this one. Colorado probably laying six and a half or so at home against USC. You mentioned USC is a team looking to fade. I totally agree with that. Colorado was riding high this time, what, a week ago. That Arizona trip, that that swing trip is always tricky at Arizona where they lost by about 175 points. I think it was 97 to 50. And then they lost to uh, a a really down Arizona State team and then lost again a couple days ago to Cal. In Boulder, it's a wholly different situation at building. The altitude, it's a very tough place to play. Off three straight losses, a USC team we don't like. I'll lay the number here with Colorado. I think Colorado bounces back. I'll lay this one up to 10, to be honest with you, and I don't think it's going to be up there. Absolutely. Colorado's got the best home court in basketball. You follow the num- the lines, baby, up, down, up, super dip down. It's only coming back up for this one, baby. That's that's what I like looking at these trend lines sometimes. It's time for the rebound. They are a fantastic home team. As a matter of fact, I think their home road splits and their field goal percentage is pretty ridiculous here. I'm just going to pull it right up uh, for people to see. Uh, and wow, Colorado State's been good. Yeah, sixty point eight percent at home field goal percentage and fifty point six on the road. That's a pretty big discrepancy. But I love the fact that they step it up at home. You know, this is a spot where they're going to want to beat the heck out of uh, USC. Bronny James didn't start the season, and I'm sure the kid's going to get better. But there's really no good star power on there. I mean, they have a, that top recruit, right? He hasn't done nothing yet for USC. I'm forgetting his name off the hand. I'm going to pull him up real quick, uh, see if pe- some people can see it. Isaiah Collier here. You know, he's taking over 25% of the shots. Um, his field goal percentage from three is only 31%. Now he's got to go on a road in a tough environment in Colorado where it's up in the mountains, a little bit harder to breathe. This is a pass game for them. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on Colorado 100%. I think they do it. And I think you're going to get a decent spread. I think I don't think it's going to be seven or eight. I, I think you might get six and a half, seven on this. You know, I'm hoping. So we are in agreement, my friend. Yeah, yeah. this one might be one where, you know, you take the first half and then you double down second half if you really like to press your advantage, especially second half if you figure that that's when the altitude takes over. So, yeah, this has been a trend for years. Colorado just a, a machine at home. We talked about Grand Canyon being – uh, one of these teams just sort of blindly back at home, Colorado at home, man. You pick your spots and you can do very well backing them. 100%. So Sunday you have an interesting slate. Uh, you're going to have FAU at home against UAB. You're going to have Illinois home against Maryland. I mean, these are all massive spreads. you got Michigan State home against Rutgers. That's going to be like a 16-point spread in itself. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Georgetown. I mean, I was just talking about Georgetown, but they're going to be 25-point dogs to UConn. 
Um, that, that might not be the one I get on Georgetown, by the way. I like you got a lot still. <laughs> that, that might not be one I back George, Georgetown. I think Georgetown's up and coming. But um, no, it's, uh, you, Utah Stanford's a little bit more interesting. That could be a good game. because. Uh, but you know what? Everyone's going to be dialed in on the NFL a little bit on Sunday. Yep. These big Sunday uh, games are, as the NFL dwindles down, are just going to become bigger and bigger. But we'll... Man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I always have just a blast you coming on. And I wish I tracked our record of our picks because it seems like whenever you come on, we do very well. Where could our listeners get your great information uh, and new shows? Yeah, appreciate you having me. I'm on VEASAN a few times a week, Lombardi Line, a numbers game, so look out for that. Uh, Go Boys Discord and then my new podcast, Shoulda Bet More, one word, shoulda. Again, go back and listen at Steve Fezikon, have had Gil Alexander, Chris the Bear Felica, Mike Sando, Aaron Schatz. You're going to be coming on at some point in the next week or two. We'll do a little home and home. Uh, and then on the Bear Bets podcast with Fox, that just dropped today. So busy time of the year. It's sad, man. It's a little sad football. It's starting to wind down. But like we said, before you know it, conference tournaments in college basketball, NCAA tournament, there are uh, there are better days ahead still. There is still great days ahead, man, than baseball, obviously. But, Will, I yes. look forward to texting you on that Detroit Lions versus the Rams game this weekend, my friend. You enjoy, all right? You too, man. Thanks. Now it is time for the Sharp Side of the Force. Sharp Side of the Force is brought to you by Athletic Greens. If you want to take charge of your health, especially during these January cold winter months, please visit this podcast description and check out Athletic Greens, the best in nutrition. All right, my friends, we are looking at some NFL here. Uh, you know, I mean, sharp money's already kind of hit certain areas, right? Uh, I think it, it took the Packers kind of closer down to seven. 62% of the uh, bets are on the Packers, 85% of the money. Not a lot, ton of belief in the Cowboys right there. The Steelers are a little bit of a sharp side, 47% of the tickets, 61% of the money. Uh, the Chiefs have already kind of expired their sharp end. There's money buying back a little bit on the Dolphins for anyone trying to look for a middle right there. Uh, Rams have been the sharper side, 74% of the tickets and 94% of the money. So the Rams are probably the sharpest side and a little bit more towards the Eagles now as this week goes along. As far as the totals here, it's just a lot of unders. 46.5 for the Chiefs, Dolphins down to 44, 78% of the tickets, 89% of the money. A little bit more on the over for the Browns, Texans, 43.5 to 44.5, 61% of the tickets and 76% of the money. And dual action on the Eagles, Buccaneers, under 45 to 43.5, 91% of the money, 91% of the tickets, 97% of the money. And believe it or not, this Bills game, um, it got hammered a lot. I think it kind of opened at 42, 43. It shot down to 37 and then just kind of dwindling down to 35 and a half. 63% of the bets now and 75% of the money. Sure, some people are looking for some middle opportunities in that. But thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoy what you hear here, please, please go to your uh, platforms for your podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, whatever you use, and give us a five-star review. It really helps the algorithm. But I appreciate you guys so much listening to this show. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet us at at The Odds Breakers. Email us at info at The Odds Breakers. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the games. And go get some winners.